Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan, and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted, to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is Two Dudes with an Opinion. Yeah. Time for Papa to start his start his podcasting. She's she's <laughs> she just groaned. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm settling down. Yeah, for an hour. <laughs> so, so last uh, time we talked, uh, I was going to say last week, but it was not last week. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Yeah, we've been busy. Um, you and me both. Um, mm-hmm. So. We kind of started. Uh, we started talking about extreme ownership. We do- dove into the first chapter, which is uh, the, the definition and examples of extreme ownership. And now I want to talk about. I want to talk about this. I don't know about you. I mean, I want to talk about it. Dory, I'll, I'll take us where I want to go. You usually do. <laughs> I want to talk about chapter two. I in like extreme you. ownership. I think it was. It's my favorite uh, chapter of the whole book. Um, or maybe there's another chapter that's really good. I love also uh, chapter eight, which is decentralized command. That's a really good yep. one. But chapter two is really awesome because it is it definitely flips a lot of things on their head. I think for uh, readers, it's kind of. Hmm. Like we, we, well, let's, let's jump in. So the, the, the title is called no, um, no bad teams, only bad leaders. Let me actually double check and make sure that because my notes aren't always exact. Yeah. Yeah. No bad teams, only bad leaders. And like that, I think really flips the script on the head because a lot of people, a lot of leaders will come in and be like, I have such a bad team. Oh, my team is horrible. I can't do what I want because I've got a bad, like that, blah, 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 whatever. Very easy to shift the blame around. Oh man. Yeah. Like that's, and that's like one of the, ah, that's one of the things that we talked about a lot last time, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah I, I, I'll fully admit like there are, so, okay. I used to work in a shipyard. All right. And uh, mind you, this was when I was living in Connecticut. We were just talking about that. Ha ha ha. Um, and I had a crew of like three, four people under me, and they were definitely not the greatest skill wise. Um, to kind of give you an example there was one guy on the crew who was pretty much addicted to opioids um medical but that's kind. something you can totally fix like cup of coffee <laughs> spank on the shoulder and <laughs> and he, you fix that right away that's like 10 minutes oh yeah completely <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love opiate addicts i'm not gonna say anything about biden <laughs> careful careful there careful <laughs> we don't want to dive into that because that will <laughs> take us like hours <laughs> we have so much time oh yeah no completely uh, um so uh let's see so yeah i i had that i had that guy and then i had a guy who ah, just he tried his hardest, all right? He he tried so hard, but he just... <sighs> he was dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> you know, isn't that the worst? Where you got somebody really trying. Yes. You, and you yes. see it, and they're doing what you tell them to do, and they yes. just shouldn't have been on the team in the first place. Some uh, Later on, uh, I don't think they talked about it in this book, because I think they're talking about the next book. But there's basically like two chapters devoted to 
the path up to it and the fact that sometimes you got to let people go. So yeah. there's extreme ownership, but there's also yeah. having the right team. Well, there's, I wonder which, because there, there was that one situation that we talked about, maybe it was in the bonus content, um, which, let me see, let me see, let me see. I think it was, uh, it's in chapter 11 where they're talking about two uh, tech people and they're at each other's throats all the time. And eventually mm-hmm. they have to make the decision to uh, let the two of them go. Um, like It's kind of along those lines too, but not really like completely along those lines because this guy, uh, he, ah, man, I felt horrible because he really did want to try or really did try his hardest uh, for things, but he just, it was hard, very difficult for him. He kept wanting to try and do better and better and better mm-hmm. and it just wasn't working out. And it's like, dude, I can't, I can't keep doing stuff to help you. There's a certain point at which we just got to move on. But I, I could never really fire him because, well, unions. And that's all I'm going to say. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to so, have fun with that one. <laughs> <laughs> one day we will. One day. I promise you we will. I have. The muzzle. Okay. Dude, I have very <laughs> strong opinions about unions. Okay. Um, I guess Elon uh, Musk, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Jeff Bezos. Yep. I mean, think about some of But when you're the perfect employer, why bother with unions? <laughs> you know, if a you little- have a union, it just shows that you have a weakness you got to work over. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little. Uh, let me let me just a little taste of my opinion on unions because we're, we're already there. Um, I believe that collective bargaining is a good thing. I believe that if you, uh, as in, as employees, and you recognize that your boss is doing something that is wrong, or that is is incorrect or something, I think it is well within your rights as a a group of employees to collectively ban ban together and bargain with your boss to make things better. Okay, but I am one hundred percent anti-union. And I, I guarantee you, I just lost a ton of people. There's lots of reasons for that. And a lot of them go back to my experiences with working with unions. Um, I am not a fan. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I am such a fan. I think when you want to take a beautiful company and destroy it, what you do is you get in the union and you demand more money than the company's making. If they don't give it to you, you then go and block any other people from coming into the facilities. And then what you do is you motivate the owners to raise the prices, to work for you like they should in the first place, and to really force them to realize whatever they did before to get to that point, it wasn't worth it. I'm dying. I'm so dying. Yes. I am so pro-union. Yes. <laughs> we haven't even really gotten into the chapter. <laughs> just sitting here thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I seriously think we just lost a lot of people. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> These are our opinions. We are two dudes with an, uh, with an opinion, so we have opinions. Yes, and uh, we sprinkle them with salt and pepper of sarcasm, so... Except it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, diving into this, like, yeah. So, I had, I, I really did have a, cu- a couple of people who were really bad under me. But, like, the, the, the whole aspect of it is as a leader, I can't blame, like, I can't blame them for everything. There, <laughs> there, there, there's a point at which I can blame them. Like, if, like, that guy that I was talking about who's addicted to opioids, if he is shooting himself up with his medicine and he's sitting there high as a kite because of the, the, the medicine, then, and I am not kidding, it was medicine. It was not like he was shooting up a, a, a heroin right there in the shipyard. It was medicine. He had medical. Uh, waivers and all that other stuff. But like, if he's like that, it is my responsibility then at that point to recognize that he is high as a kite and not send him to go do something dangerous. 
Right. Like that's my my responsibility, not just to him because of his safety, but also to the safety of everybody else in the shipyard. So that's like that. That's my responsibility as a leader. But like one of the big awesome things I think is about the uh, about this chapter is the anecdote that they tell, and I love it. I don't know if you remember it. Do you? Are we talking about the corporate example or the guys with the votes? The guys with the boats. Let's start with that. Awesome. So, run with it. You got it. Okay, cool. Um, I'll try and keep it kind of short, but because I really do recommend. Again, I cannot recommend getting this book enough and reading it, or or getting the audio version and listening to it. The audio version is cool. I know you listened to it. I went back and I listened to it yeah, as well. Um. Because it's it's a uh, the authors are the ones who are reading it, and sometimes it's really interesting when the author reads it to you. Um, so it's Leif Babin is talking about how when he becomes an instructor at Buds, uh, wait Buds, yes Buds, um, basic underwater demolition. I don't remember. Anyway, whatever. Seal boot uh, camp. What? Seal boot camp, right? That. We'll go with that. <laughs> this is the boot camp after the boot camp. Um, <laughs> and he's watching these teams. And so what they do when SEALs come in is they divide them up among what they call boat crews, all generally about the same height, all generally about the same. Well, I don't think they factor weight into it, but mainly height. Uh, and the reason why they, they do the uh, factor in the height is because they all have to carry boats and run around and carry these 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 boats i i wish i had i could like show a picture of them like they're, they're just insane well um, yeah. the everybody probably has the image of six men carrying a big rubber boat on their shoulders yes in the on the seacoast and like, it's basically I, I, one of those huge mini six-man boats i'm trying to remember think of a movie that shows it off but I don't remember. I think maybe like uh, G.I. Jane, which is a horrible movie. But anyway, um, does that talks, shows it because she goes and she's like the first woman to go through Navy SEAL training and they show a good amount of uh, buds in there. Uh, anywho, was she on the Smurf boat? I don't remember. I bet they would put her on the Smurf boat. That would probably. I think they did because I mean, that would that's the only thing that makes sense. It's for the shortest ones. So, yeah. And on average, women are like uh, shorter. shorter than men, so it would make sense to send, put put her on the smart But anywho, um, so they they divide these guys up, and there's like this one boat crew that's beating every other boat crew all the time. Now, um, you want to beat other boat crews in these evolutions because when you beat them, you get a rest. If you don't, you get punished. So the losers get punished. The one, the worst, the slowest boat crew gets punished with extra exercises, which I think is positive encouragement, right? That's po uh, positive reinforcement. And the, of course, the winners get negative reinforcement because they don't have to do anything. I know. Isn't it horrible? <laughs> In case you can't tell, Phil is being sarcastic. <laughs> Well, uh, positive reinforcement is when you add stimulus, and negative is when you remove stimulus. I think. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you are correct. That is the, uh, the those are the that are that is the uh, the, the the technical definition of uh, reinforcement, um, which I learned recently, by the way, before <laughs> this. It was kind of fun. I know. It's this is story of, after hours. No, it's just, I just, I don't know. I don't remember when I learned it. I just learned it out of the blue because somebody was like, oh, you know, we're, I, we actually use this wrong. I'm like, oh, cool. Um, so this one boat crew is just beating everybody all the time. And everybody in the boat crew is just like highly motivated, highly excited, highly uh, focused. They're, yeah. They're good. They're great. They're, they're doing well. And then there's this one boat crew that is consistently failing. Like they're consistently coming in last every single time. Morale is dropping like crazy and, and, and things are absolutely horrible. Okay. Now, setup. That's a setup. So what one of the instructors decides to do is make a change. 
Now, each boat crew has a boat crew leader. Most of the time, uh, the boat crew leader is an officer. So this is, uh, BUDS is slightly different from the rest of uh, Navy training in that um, when you go to BUDS, both officers and enlisted go through the same thing. Um, when in the, in the Navy, and generally speaking, officers don't go through basic training um, as an officer. Actually, 100% officers do not go through a basic, a basic training as an officer. Uh, there's other exceptions. We can talk about that later. Um, or if you're interested, ask a question. We'll tell you. Uh, so... The, they put the officers in charge of each of the boat crews. And so this instructor decides, let's swap the officers. So they take the officer, the boat crew leader of the boat crew that's winning and the boat uh, uh, leader uh, officer of the boat crew that's losing and swap them. And something crazy happens. The boat crew that was doing extremely well, we'll call them boat crew one. I, I don't remember. Number that two. was it whatever like they're whatever it is they're doing like they come in first again so like the guy the officer who's in and who was losing and is now winning it's getting kind of it's kind of getting reinforced reinforced in his head that oh i had a bad team well hold on here the boat crew that was losing we'll call them um yeah, yeah. Uh, you were saying uh, boat crew two versus boat crew six. I was going to say the losing team was boat crew six, which I, so it I is. had that right yes. in my head. Okay, good. Um, boat crew six came in second. So here's the crazy thing. So they, um, they, it started continue. Uh, it started out like that, and then it ended up becoming where boat crew two and six were constantly trading back and forth, whether or not they would come in first or second in the, each of the evolutions and stuff. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that there are no bad teams. There are only bad leaders. And we can start diving into what that means. Um, like, what is it? Okay. What does that mean in your, your head? Or do you have anything you want to add so, to that? Why do you think that uh, when they, when the loser officer of team six, uh, and when we say loser officer going through this kind of situation, that officer is probably pretty badass to start with. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> he came from a lot of, he went through a lot of stuff to get to this point in, uh, in the training. So Just, when I call him loser officer, um, I do with some irony and some love. Yeah. So. Just to give you an, an idea, like there are uh, each bud buds class, there are more openings for enlisted men members. It's actually easier for an enlisted member of the Navy to get a, a seat, uh, to get a, a seat in the classes at buds than it is for an officer. Like it is very difficult for officers to get into buds. I think they only take they only uh, accept like eight or 10, right? Yes. And then they something drown like most of those out. Yeah. And uh, they have to go through. Um, and, and the reason why I uh, bring this all up is because I know uh, several people who were trying their hardest all throughout college to get into buds and they had to, they had to train a significant amount to get in, uh, to get even like a, an opportunity to go and test to get in. And then you have to go through a test, like a physical fitness test. And for officers, it's a bit stronger than it is for uh, enlisted members. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that you can do as an enlisted member is as you are signing up and signing up for your contract, you can sign up and be guaranteed a spot in the uh, in BUDS course before you go, you actually are signed into the Navy. So like Phil said, these officers are badass officers. Like they're, they're already, they've already proven themselves pretty, uh, yeah, pretty pretty good. They're they're pretty good. Uh, and considering a lot of them, uh, you know, everybody officers enlisted at this point. There's a lot of people getting thrown out of the program from injuries. Yes, uh, and probably you know a lot of the guys at this point may have injuries just fighting through it. So, if I there, there's so, those things. If you want to hear some crazy stuff and, and crazy stories about injuries through buds, I highly recommend uh, getting uh, David Goggins's book, which is uh, "Can't Hurt Me." 
that dude is beyond insane. Uh, you want to talk about a superhuman? He is superhuman. Okay. Like he's just absolutely superhuman. Um, and that is one that I think you should get the audio version of the, the book, uh, the book. Do not get the uh, print version. Uh, print version is good, but uh, because it's obviously uh, that, but like that one, you need to get the audio version. Uh, anywho, I'm sorry, Phil. I <laughs> I was just looking at it. So, um, so back to my loser officer. Uh, <laughs> the um, the the so the question here is, how can this guy that was with the worst team go and still be winning right yeah uh it definitely isn't his leadership skills right at this point um because he took over a team that was winning and i'm gonna let alvin allen kind of play with that some but um we we expected the the officer from team two to go to the team six and to bring them up unless they really did suck right right um now and he did right away like the first the first round they got to second place and after that they were back and forth in first yeah, but man. why the guy the officer from team six was able to keep up with a super officer so i would say a lot of it has to do with their attitude and everything so we we kind of talked a little bit about uh earlier in the podcast um blaming others like it's so easy to to blame others and it's kind of like when you start saying uh, it's somebody else's fault it's you know woe is me you're, you're creating a what i term and what a lot of the other people probably term a victim mentality like you're creating for yourself i am a victim of my circumstances i am a victim of what these other people are doing there's and so and, and what's crazy is when you start creating that attitude and, and that mindset in your head you what you're doing is you're taking um responsibility you're taking the onus of change off of yourself you're saying so you're, you're taking a view the view of you are somebody that things happen to like things happen to you and it's not like you at that point then when, when you start looking at your um your the world as somebody who you you have no um what do you, what do you call it? uh you have no agency that's what it is uh you 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 view the world as if you have no agency when you view the world as if you have no agency you take away your ability to actually make any sort of changes you're you're now looking at it like i cannot do this so let's take the example that i was talking about where i had some genuine genuinely poor performers on my team and i i will fully admit because it was hard for me at the time to deal with because let's be frank i was actually probably a little too young to deal with these guys um just a reference i was like in my mid 20s and these guys were in their late 30s and into their 50s <laughs> and it wasn't a union yeah, no union here. There is no, no union. No union. <laughs> um, boy, I have so much fun with this. I love it. Um, so it's kind of like sitting there saying, I don't have any power. I just gave these guys, like, I just got given these guys. I can't change them. I can't make any changes. I can't do anything. So woe is me, blah, 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 all that stuff. And that's like, that takes away all the power, all the ability of me to do anything to make any sort of a change with them. And then because there is no ability to make any change, we just suck. We just suck as a team at that point. That's I think you nailed thing. it. When you do this, you give up your power and you give up your authority when you start blaming other people. Well, that's what you said. That's my opinion. I said a agency. I like the term agency. <laughs> I'm, I'm a power. I'm a, a, so a hoity-toity college-educated student. <laughs> <laughs> You're so intelligent. I love it. That's why I love about you. 
I don't know how intelligent I really am. I sound (laughs) smart. That's the funny part. I I sound smart. I was sitting there thinking about that actually earlier today. I'm like, I'm pretty smart, but I'm also really dumb. (laughs) Introspection. You shouldn't do that too much. I do that all the time. And then I sit there and I'm like, eh, I'm pretty smart, but I'm also really dumb. Okay, whatever. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, that's really just me. Like, it's just an acceptance of who I am. Um, so there's this idea that comes in with them, and, and I kind of touched on it, but I want to kind of summarize it with th- this whole phrasing of like a leader's attitude is what the drives the performance of your team. So we can go and we can look at like this team six, the, the team that was constantly losing. And this guy just ended up, this leader ended up getting like really down on himself and because, uh, and on his team. And when he starts, started getting really down on himself and, and the team, it just was like, Oh my gosh, there's nothing I can do to make these guys better. There's nothing I can do to do anything. Well, we're done. We're always going to fail. Like it's all of that stuff. And and let me pose this question to the listener. Like how many times have you fallen into that? Like how many times have you got caught up into that trap? And I, I, like I said earlier, I like to think of it as the victimhood trap. Um, Like how many times do you fall into that? And and a lot of it is, it really does go beyond just the leader. Like when you have a leader has a poor attitude, that just dives into uh, everything. Like it starts affecting all of these subordinates as well. Because if your leader is feeling bad and terrible, you as a subordinate, you're looking at the leader and he's like, oh, well, he's had, he has a negative attitude. He has a bad attitude. He's, things are happening. Oh, well, like what, what, what's the point in me trying to do anything? What's like, why should I try to, to make him feel better? Why should I try to make him look better? I mean, he's just blaming me anyway. So I might as well do terrible stuff and, and not take care of this. So that's, kind of where I I think. So then what happened? Like how did this turn around and 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 what happened with this team 6 stuff? Like do you have anything so, to add before we And that was that was the question, right? They I don't know if they circle back to that in this chapter. They but do. okay, awesome. So <laughs> uh, thank you. So essentially, uh the reason that the second team was able to keep winning Right. It's because they had already learned how to win. They learned the yes. practice, the what it would took to win. And essentially they were winners, right? They knew how to to get through the challenge. Right. And the new team, team six, which I call the new team six, <laughs> uh, they they quickly developed the the skills and the, the simple mental process to get to the to the, the winning position. And I, I think it's in this chapter, thank you, uh, that <laughs> they say, well, what was the difference? Like team six just learned how to focus on the next target and get to that rather than yes. focusing on winning. Yes. They learned to get to the hilltop, to the sign, to the beachhead, to whatever it was. And they learned that process so that yep. they could probably have gone again, switched out team six with the next losing team, or maybe even at this point, I think they could have taken the original team six uh, officer and put him on a losing team yep. and he would have brought it up. Yep. Having learned this lesson. Yep. It, it was that one officer and, and it was something about him and the team that he was originally on that taught, like they taught each other that important um, lesson and, and, and that important uh, focus of just looking at what is right in front of them. Like, what is the next step to get there? What is the next step towards our ultimate goal and stuff? Like, if we want to take a step back, like that's kind of what you want to do as a leader in general and as uh, for companies and projects and stuff. Like, you want to look and keep an eye, you want to set up and, and keep an idea uh, in your head of what is the ultimate goal that you're trying to get to. Uh, for app development, and app developers, it's really just trying to provide a good, a good product to your to your user. For example, um, like Netflix would be probably trying to provide a great uh, experience in watching movies. Like that that that's their ultimate goal. 
Um, but it's kind of like at, at that point, okay, cool. That's great. But that's like a huge amorphous goal way out there in the ether of, I don't know what you want to call it. I'm just throwing out words at the moment to say, you can't touch it. Like you can't feel it. Like You don't know when you're there, except you'll know when you're there. Like it's just, you don't know what that is. So all you can do at that point is start figuring out what's the next step. What's the little thing that we can take today to get us closer and closer to that goal. And that's kind of what Phil was touching on with the, this new, this leader who was being swapped from teams and how he was pushing and creating that because he had that attitude of, okay, my goal here is to pass buds. My whole goal here is to get past whatever it is. But right now, the thing that is in my way to getting to that is this one evolution. It's as Phil said, it's getting up that one hill. So that's how he started motivating and pushing team, like team six, the, the, the original leader of team six. He didn't have that. He, he, he kind of had the, the view of, I guess, of like, Oh, this is all of buds. Oh my gosh. This is horrible. Whatever. Whereas this new, the, the, this leader who got transferred into team six or team six, I can't say team six, boat crew six, um, kind of looked at, at it like, all right, I, it's just moving us a little bit closer. So let me get these guys, let me f- focus, let me push them to, and focus them in on that, um, that aspect of it and, and push them to get to just one little step ahead, one little thing. It's, kind of cool and it's kind of like one of the, one of the uh one of the things that they point out in the book is like the single greatest factor for a team's success is the leader and, and you can see that very much in this example that that they pulled because just swapping the leaders is what changed everything like just that one little variable but here's something interesting that we can kind of look at too why was team two or boat crew two still succeeding? And and you kind of touched on this a little bit, which is that they knew how to do it. And then what's, what's interesting for, for leaders. Um, I think one of the hardest things that a leader can do is to come in to a, a high performing team. I think that is a very difficult thing for a, a, uh, a leader to adapt to because the team already has a lot of the um, processes. They have a lot of the cohesion. They have everything that in place already to make them really good, strong a good strong team like they're a high performing team and they're doing extremely well so it's hard for a leader at that point because what do they do it's almost as if there's like really nothing for them to do in fact if he had changed anything he probably would have put them back to the loser team exactly exactly so i suspect he went in there and and bit his tongue and just happy that he had superhero crew uh, and then I, I suspect pretty shortly he he learned what the difference was. I think uh, yeah, I think they probably sat down and said, "Hey, look, yep. killer, here is yep, here, here's the point, right?" Well, um, and that's like what so using na- the Navy as an example because if you're if you're an officer in the Navy. Um, when you get assigned to your uh, ship and you end up getting put in charge of like a department sometimes, and usually what you end up with uh, in your department is you have a leading um, leading petty officer. Sometimes that's an, a leading chief petty officer. Other Most of the time, though, it's just going to be a regular old leading petty officer. I say regular old. <laughs> Anywho, it, it behooves the, the new uh, officer to listen to to that LPO or LCPO because there, so this is something that is really interesting about the Navy that I'm like kind of, I don't know about, and it's about the military in general. They move officers every two years, but they don't move enlisted, but they move enlisted every four to six years. So it's give or take. A lot of it depends upon also like what your rating is. Um, 
So what that means is your LPO or your LCPO has been there a lot longer than you and knows the people a whole lot better than you. So it's very important for you as the new leader coming in to sit down and listen to them. Like that, that that's huge. And it, it, it's kind of like a lot of what Phil was saying. Like they probably sat him down and they, they, they gave him what for and said, this is what's up and this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And you better get in line, sir. Keep up. Yep. And it like pushed him and it changed him probably. Like he probably had a much better appreciation for what leadership means than he did before. They spoke of him pretty well. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think uh I think he he shaped up and learned from it. I suspect if he, uh I think the lesson would have been a little different lesson if he had never grown up. It's very true. The um d- is there in this book, do they talk about the guy that uh, was uh, training on clearing houses, but could never do it right. So they ended up having to get rid of them. Hmm, no, they don't. That must be the leadership dichotomy. Yeah. Okay. The dichotomy of leadership is the follow on book that they wrote uh, to extreme ownership. Um, that's on my to read list. <laughs> I haven't read it. Phil's, Phil has. <laughs> but no, no they good. don't. It'll address, I think it'll put some uh, rest some of the mental torment you have about those two guys um that you're that you're referencing uh oh yeah 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 no i i put a lot of uh that down a long time ago because it was a long time ago uh long and short of it is one of those guys ended up uh or the guy who was addicted to opioids ended up lying on lying so i left that job um and uh, I got a call shortly after leaving that they caught him lying on paperwork. You don't ever do that in the shipyard. There was nothing the union can do could do to protect him. He was gone. Oh. Um, yeah, it was. It, this was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so America there's a couple. Went their whole opiate challenge for a while there. <laughs> yeah, well, he had to do that without a job. <laughs> um. There's a couple of other things that I want to touch on that, uh, from this chapter that are very important. Um, like one of the the big things that I, I do want to say, pull out is it, it's kind of one. Um, how do we? How do I put this? It's it's very much what you tolerate. Like team performance is based on very much what you tolerate as a leader. So once you start tolerating something, once you allow something to come into play, that's when you make it the new standard. It is all of a sudden the new, uh, that is now the, uh, the new standard for, for things. Uh, let's say, for example, there, your team, uh, and I'll, I'm doing using, putting this in the business context. Uh, your team has a daily meeting every day you come in and everybody sits down and, and gives their updates and stuff. Uh, as uh, if you're a software engineer, you know, this meeting and you have been a part of it. Well, what if the team, the project manager or the team leader uh, allowed somebody to skip it and just start consistently skipping it? What is the message that, they're sending to the team. I mean, it should be fairly obvious, right? Oh, yeah, it's why have the meeting in the first place? Exactly. Just get work done, like the exactly. other guy is. Exactly. So the leader is tolerating that and allowing that to happen. So now that's the new standard. Like that's what you are allowed to do. Uh, you're allowed to be. Um, like you're allowed to skip that meeting, even though that meeting is important. People are allowed to skip it. So people are going to stop showing up. So then that meeting is going to end up losing its significance, its necessity. And if we want to take this back to the uh, to what they were talking about with the boat crews, looking at the, the original boat crew six, the losing when they were losing, that leader tolerated that victimhood mentality within himself. And he tolerated that stuff within the team. So, and just want to touch on that too. It's not, it's not just what you allow and and tolerate with your team. It's also what you tolerate with yourself. If you tolerate a victim mentality within yourself, you're going to constantly be developing that and creating that mentality and it's going to be there. But if you don't tolerate it, if you sit there and you start seeing and recognizing 
your <clears throat> your thoughts that are starting to go down that path and down that line of just victimhood and you say nope i'm not going to go down that path you're not going to become a victim so and that's kind of what he allowed the 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 original the, the original team 6 leader who was screwing up um he allowed that in himself and he allowed and that some in of that might guys. have been because he was in his mind he's like we only have another 20 days of this or something or something like right? that I, who maybe knows? even less a few days right um he's probably thinking like you know what even if we lose it doesn't matter right we just gotta get through it somebody's going to get smoked yep yep fine this is just the team i have we're gonna get smoked yep right we'll save our energy and we'll get smoked afterwards <laughs> And I, I think I think that might have been some of uh, his weakness, right? Oh, um, yeah. This probably doesn't apply to a lot of our listeners, where they're like, "I'm going to be out of this job," because most of I, most of the people listening to this call aren't in a position where they're going to have be in a whole new situation within a couple weeks, right? Um, but the lessons you learn from it help you realize when you are. Uh, giving up your power when you're saying when you should pull back a little bit and say hey am i let's call it captain six right now right am i boat captain six where i should be digging in a little deeper and trying to solve the problem look at smaller targets and just like uh when i get my head stuck in some code i look for a smaller problem to fix yeah in the same the same thing what's the next little mini thing that i can do to get myself a win and to go on to the next win and sometimes uh, as simple minded as i am that really helps <laughs> it, it really is it's very important to just focus on the what's right in front of you it, it's like I get overwhelmed sometimes with everything that needs to happen. And I just, there it is. Uh, I just love the whole, that whole concept of just focusing on what's right in front of you. Because I, like I said, I get overwhelmed a lot with things. Um, I'm like, I'm starting a new, new job and everything. And there's so much stuff that has to be done. And it's like, holy crap everything that has to, oh my gosh mm -hmm. so, actually after in our little after the call i'm gonna just throw out there some of my my big three uh hills i oh think God. that I, I need to conquer and uh you'll you'll probably laugh about them right <laughs> eh. but, uh, <laughs> i mean i'll laugh but I, but my laughter will be more of probably how you put it and not the fact that you have <laughs> them <laughs> Uber. i know you <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You, do. I, you know, one of, one of the things that I think I, I laugh about so much is like, I know you, you know me. And I think part of the reason why we know each other is I think we're very, like, we're, we're almost the same person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, yeah, Twisted T. Yeah. You know, we're like Twisted T brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I love the concept of just focusing on one little thing in front of me. I just, I love it. And sometimes I, I, I end up getting into the weeds of that one little thing and then I miss all the other little things that I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. You got to focus on winning. Yeah, um, there's a, there's a dichotomy to that. Yeah. There's the <laughs> dichotomy to that, which is why they wrote the following on book. Cause there's yes. a lot of weaknesses from this book. Yeah, um, I agree. But I agree. They, and they recognize it, right? They, yep. they said, there are some things that not quite balance in the right direction, but you learn this first and then we'll get, we'll get into what's wrong with what's wrong with it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I, I'm looking, I'm trying to re refresh myself on what the, um, the uh, business anecdote was do you remember it there was the remember last time i was talking about the the leader that was having problems and everybody mm -hmm. was to blame and they couldn't you know he he, he had the mission he set the standards mm -hmm. and nobody was below him was pushing on it and executing okay yeah. all had excuses and just like any excuse he had excuses because nobody was doing what he said yeah uh, which is just like uh, Captain Six, right? He um, he was strong. He was pushing. 
he was doing everything uh, captains one, uh, one, three, four, and five are doing, mm-hmm. and maybe the Smurf group, and uh, <laughs> just his guys. It was his guys' fault. They weren't executing. They weren't pushing like he was. They weren't as strong or as smart or, in, in my case, as beautiful. Um, you know, they just weren't there, right? So, and this mm-hmm. was this uh, this officer, not officer, the this corporate's person. Oh. He was a CTO, so he, he was a corporate officer. Corporate um, officer. Yeah, there was something. I flipping love this concept. Oh, my God. I love this concept. Um, ba- uh, Leif Babin goes and labels this guy that Phil was talking about, a what, what he calls a tortured genius. Okay? Yep. I – this con- – oh, my God. I just – like the the job that I left, I was dealing with that. It was hard. Um. Anyway, I don't want to. <laughs> I cannot dive into the details on that. I cannot. Oh. I can't. I just. It's. We gotta pick out later on. We'll try to pick up some safe details. Yeah. It's a. It's hard. Um. But I'm gonna read from the book because I. I just the way he describes this is so perfect. I guarantee you, we all have met a, a tortured genius uh, in in our lives, um, or been one. That's the other part of it. I have. I will fully admit, I have been a tortured genius in my in, in the past. Um, I have since stopped because I recognized that in myself. And holy cow, is it made my life so much better? <laughs> Ugh, do not be this. Um, all right. Torture genius. By this, he, uh, this guy that uh, was introduced, Leif Babin, to the the concept, um, did not mean the artist or musician who suffers from mental health issues, but in the context of ownership. So, a lot oftentimes when we hear the phrase "tortured genius," we think of like uh, Michael Jackson, Prince, um, go, who's Beethoven. Be- yeah, yeah, Beethoven. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Oh, crud. Who else? Like I'm singing modern. Oh, uh, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Co- Cobain is probably the best example out of the, all of that. Um, not those people. No, what, what he's talking about is uh, uh, somebody else. Um, no matter what, how or no matter how obvious his or her failing or how valid the criticism, a tortured genius in this sense accepts zero responsibility for mistakes, makes excuses, and blames everyone else for their failings and those of their team. Phil is writing a comment to me. Uh-huh. Uh, in their mind, the rest of the world just can't see or accept the genius in what they are doing. An individual with a tortured genius mindset can have catastrophic impact on a team's performance. Like, holy cow. Like, I've been that in the past. I fully admit it uh, because I just was a young idiot who thought I knew what I was doing and thought I knew everything because I had read one or two books. Uh, I had gone to college. Uh, I was... I got top of my class and like all of that stuff. And everybody should listen to me. Um, Phil is probably laughing because he knows. I'm laughing. No, it's I'm laughing because um, you, you on this one, if you don't laugh with your own pain. Yes. Um, you're missing the fun of it. Yes. If you, if you haven't been this person before, you haven't tried hard enough. It's you true. might need to look back and say, you know what? You should have pushed yourself a little bit more. Right. I like that. That's actually really cool. Yeah. So it's it's okay to 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 trip on this. It's bad to stand in it. Yes. You you you're absolutely right. Like that's one of the things that Jocko talks about a lot. Um <clears throat> I'm going to dive into a, a, a an interesting concept here. Uh, you're gonna you're you're gonna have an opinion. Uh, I know for sure uh, because we've already talked about this at one point. Um, so Jocko talks about uh, a 
lots of stuff in his podcast. Uh, I haven't listened to all of it. I've just, or all of them, I've listened to a bunch. But one of the things that he, he has taken up in the past is what, uh, what people have termed these days toxic masculinity. And you do not get to say anything for a minute. Okay. <laughs> if you can't see the video, you need to people. We are, uh, we do have video. Uh, <laughs> I'm holding so my the idea is, from Jocko is he doesn't take this as very, as the popular definition, the, 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 uh, definition that you hear about out there. What he does is he talks about it in the sense that if you take something to an extreme, yes, it's going to become toxic. So in his mind, he's like, okay, let's, uh, let's pick on gender roles. There, there, there are roles for, for men and women in society, blah, blah, blah. Okay. It's obvious that there are certain things um, that uh, men and women have different between themselves. If you're not paying attention to that, I know you are. Uh, <laughs> Phil just sent a message to me saying, I'm so happy we are going here and here in all caps. I, the, the point I, that Jocko is trying to get at is, all right, like, if you take like the, the idea of gender roles or gender roles within a marriage, for example, or things like that to an extreme yeah, you can have in a very oppressive marriage for for both people, for example. Like that can be considered toxic masculinity where the man is just so overbearing on his wife and 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 everything and she can't do anything without his permission and I will fully admit honestly, I have seen marriages like this. Um like that's what he's talking like you're taking that to an extreme. Um and then, but then there's the op- absolute opposite where the man becomes so passive in his marriage that the woman is so, uh, I don't know. Forced to have two roles. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, and, and so then that, that, that is like, that is not good either. That's also could be considered a form of toxic masculinity. Like the the whole idea is from him and the way he looked at it and the way he he talked about it and explained it is you've got the two extremes, and what there what you probably want with your relationship is somewhere in the middle. I laugh at the moment internally because we are now in a relationship advice um, uh, uh, section of the uh, the the podcast. Please call in with your questions about uh, your b- relationship. And 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 Doctor Phil and I will try our best to answer and help you. I hope you get Doctor <laughs> Phil because it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> the point. So and the reason why I bring all this up is kind of like going back to what Phil was saying, like with the whole tortured genius thing. Like if you sometimes you need to go to that extreme, like sometimes you need to go to to the limits of stuff to understand where that limit is, to understand what not to do, like how not to act, how not to be. And, and, and you have to do that. And sometimes you have to do that in a lot of things. Like, I, honestly, I think that's one of the. I think that's one of the purposes of like what what the teenage years and what the early twenty years are, are supposed to be because like you're you're so overwhelmed by your hormones and everything and and you have like this vision of the world as a teenager and early twenties person that you're you know how the world works and then you go out there into the world and you know and because you 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 know how the world works the world just turns around and slaps you upside the head with a two by four. And you realize, oh, no, I don't. Like, that's. I would almost say that's kind of where toxic masculinity starts. Yes. You hit somebody. Like, yep. before that, you're suffering with adolescence, maybe, or mm-hmm. confused masculinity. But I think toxic <laughs> really starts with a hit of something. It might start with being hit, but that's okay. Quite literally, for some people. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn somehow. Just a little bit here and there. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, honestly, we all enjoy a good thump once in a while. I mean, who hasn't grown up? <laughs> Toxic masculinity. <laughs> well, it's like, well, you have three boys, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're right. all boy. And 
Yeah. No brain trust anywhere in there. Dude, I am utterly convinced that so so having had at, at one point uh, a step stepson and having observed my niece my nephews, um, I am utterly convinced that boys and having been a boy. <laughs> I don't know what I consider myself right now. <laughs> Maybe toxic masculine. Ooh. Um, <laughs> um, I am convinced that boys are out to kill themselves or to get themselves killed. I am. Or kill something. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter. It yes. could be the fish, yes. the frog, themselves, yes. whatever's like, in the way. Uh, boys are, are agents of chaos. Like just yes. utter agents of chaos. All right. Um, it's just, that's what I believe about it. Like you, you want to talk about, you, you go, let's get super nerdy here. And you talk about like the D and D stuff. I honestly think boys are chaotic evil. Like I think, I, I seriously think that's the case. And I don't mean evil as in the, the stupid idiotic vision of that, that, Oh, we need to teach boys how not to do certain things. I mean, evil as in they don't know how to behave. And so like, and, and like um, other people who are much smarter than me talk about this, like AKA Jordan Peterson, where you have to tame them and you have to, you have to like teach them how to be a part of society and things like that. But a lot well, of that, just I, medicate them and cut stuff off. It's easy. <laughs> Did you say, uh, I'm not going to say anything. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything just yet. <laughs> oh, man. This is, <laughs> we are in so much You're trouble. So self control. <laughs> oh, I love this. All right. This is so, for part two. <laughs> good. <laughs> Long and short of it, getting like, getting back to like, like that tortured genius thing, like it's like Phil said. If you haven't been to that point, you have not been trying hard enough. You have not like pushed yourself there. And, you know, maybe you're actually there right now. Maybe that's the case. And the thing is, if you are, if you really are at that point and you are that person, you're starting to recognize that. Well, good job because you just took the first step because the first step is recognition because you really need to recognize that. But then the second step, and, and, and it's the same thing with the victimhood mentality. Like if you have a victim mentality, the first step is recognizing that you have a victim mentality. And the, the next step, the very next little thing to kind of like to continue on our theme of just what's the next thing like right in front of you is to just sit there and sit, think about it like, Watch your thoughts, watch your, your attitude, like your, your thoughts become your reality. And it's very important. Um, when, especially victimhood, like watch the, when you start sitting there and you start blaming others and you start, oh my gosh, Phil, you are not Zen at all. If anybody is Zen in this, it ain't us. <laughs> I'd have to say you're like three times as Zen I am. I no. <laughs> I, I only put on like the fake Zen. Yeah, the, I, I just fake it. You put the robe on. Yes. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil has seen my robe. The robe. It's beautiful. It's not white. It's not white. It's not masculine either. <laughs> it's not feminine though, right? Because we don't want to step on that. Oh button. God, no! Please no. <laughs> We've already stepped on so many buttons. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, I don't uh, get the stuff I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make fun <laughs> of it in part two. You got to make fun of things. Um, yeah. Like, and if, so if you're a victimhood or you have that victim, just like watch your thoughts, make sure like as soon as you start seeing something that starts making you the victim, just stop, just take a step back and be like, wait a second. No. What is my role in this? I think Phil, uh, you said it kind of really well in the last episode. Um, and you know, I, I really wish I had, I, rem I really wish I remembered uh, exactly what you said, but it was along the lines of, oh my gosh, I've lost my thought now. Holy cow! When, when you when you recognize, so it's it's so hard to catch yourself in this phase because you're looking at problems and you've been trying hard to fix them yep and nothing's happening 
Yep. You're, you're the people that should be doing exactly what you tell them aren't. Yep. And you, you're either one of two stages in this. You are either still shouting, screaming at them, or you gave up and you're like, I just need to ride this out until they retire. Yep. And then the problem be gone. Yep. Because I can't fix it or I need to quit. Yep. Right. Uh, and they can suffer with their own crap. <laughs> right. When you, when you recognize that feeling, you got to then say, okay, can I step back some and can I find a smaller target? Can I find some common ground? Can I listen to them and what the problem is? Or are they really the problem? And if they are, your job as the person that owns the success or failure of those below you and above you is to get rid of them. Yep. And uh, at some point, Jocko and the guys talk about their seals, they carried along because they own the process and yep. it was not healthy for the corpse, for the military overall. You said they corpse. brought people that should not have been pushed along because yeah. they felt that was their their role, right? They, they had to. It was easier to do that than to accept failure and to be smoked. Yep. So there's reasons for it why uh, a leader will accept weakness, um, but you need to weed out the people that don't belong where they are. Uh, as a human, it's probably not a bad idea to try to help them find a better place for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll appreciate it. Like if they really have a lot of emotional capital involved in it or just believe you're a total idiot, it's going to be hard for them. But then yeah, they'll appreciate true. it later. Uh, if you are a total idiot, fix yourself, right? <laughs> uh, have The best way to find out if you're a total idiot, right, in my opinion, is to ask your boss to what he thinks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Say, do you think I'm just being told it? And you kind of put some humor in there. Because if yeah. you ask him straight, he's going to say, no, you're a good guy. You work hard. I like you so much. <laughs> um, but if you put some humor in there, he's like, oh, yeah, you need to loosen up and do this. And listen to these guys because they've been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Right? So ask, reach out. And the well, um, it's kind of easy to see if you're the tortured yeah. genius or not. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't necessarily limit it to your boss, just like somebody that you are, that you trust, that you, you, and the other aspect of that trust is it has to be somebody that you trust who's going to tell it to you straight, because that's important. And it's got to be somebody not directly under you. Um, Yes, exactly. 100%. It it doesn't have to be your boss, but it could be somebody in another group. Yes. Right. Yep. They'll have heard about it. Right. Yep. And if they're a friend, they'll be honest with you. Yep. And um, just like I've always asked Alan, I'm like, just tell me it straight. Don't waste your time fl- fluffing things up. Um, my wife gives me a list of shopping things that she wants. And I'm like, you don't want me to get three boxes of macaroni and cheese because I love it. She's like, I'm like, I'm trying to read between the lines. And she's like, there's no freaking lines here. Two boxes of macaroni and cheese, a box of milk, and that's it. <laughs> right? Because I like to read between the lines. And then when she's trying wanting me to read between the lines, I don't get it. So toxic masculinity, we're not good at reading between the lines. There's a, <laughs> oh man, there's some good stories out of that. <laughs> I think we're going to, I'm just, I think we should just leave it there for this. Okay. I think you, I think you just summed up everything about this chapter really well. It's just, it's very, yeah. I think I'm it was so good. Yeah, when well, you want to be. <laughs> yeah. Feels so proud of himself right now. Anyway, well, so that was <laughs> patting himself on the back. All right, so that 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 was chapter two. Uh, obviously, we still have more chapters to go. Our next chapter, the next one we're going to talk about is uh, what they call they've titled "Believe." It's kind of like uh, the the Polar Express, you know, just believe. Do you remember Polar Express? Did you ever see that movie? That was a long time ago. That's so old. Is that is there a cartoon one or yeah, it's a cartoon? Okay. It's a yeah. uh, animated three uh, D animation. Um, Tom Hanks voices one of the uh, characters. He's really good in it. Actually, he's mm-hmm. a really good 
one. But anywho, uh, there's so that's what we're going to talk about next, and we're going to dive into a lot of stuff. Uh, I also liked that chapter. I thought that was uh, that's a good one. So we'll have some interesting discussion there. Other than that. Enjoy. I hope you enjoyed this. If you uh, did, please uh, go and leave us a five-star review because we really need it. And if you didn't, eh, whatever. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> if you hated it, send me a message. Oh, God. Uh, I got it for you. Yeah. Send it to Bill. <laughs> send it to Bill. <laughs> Bill. your friend. You can tell him honestly how you feel about anything. <laughs> and exactly. I will not give you a sarcastic answer because I'm working on that. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit, love. <laughs> All love right. Thanks. thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again. Oh. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode, but our discussion didn't end here. We actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast, please head on over to do Two Dudes with an opinion.locals.com that's two the number two dudes with an opinion.locals.com and for the just the price of a cup of coffee you can hear that full unedited version and if you want to talk to phil and i directly uh, just buy us a you know trip to mcdonald's that's it that's all we ask anyway If you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just drop Phil a line and and let him know what you you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. He likes to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.